Did you miss any of the sports action this week? Word you're not well informed about what player did what or what team is making the headlines? Then don't worry. We are going to fill you in. So sit back, relax, and don't touch that dial because it's time for Down in Flames. Here are your hosts, Kyle, Jared, Thomas, and Peyton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Down in Flames podcast. I am Kyle, along here with Peyton, Jared, and introducing this week, filling in for our good friend Thomas Pensirio, we have Michael Sudo, ladies and gentlemen. Yay! Yay! Thank right. you. Thank you, Down in Flames boys, for inviting me to the show. I feel very honored that I got the tap on the shoulder. We're excited to have you, Michael. Well, I'm excited to have you. Being you an Alabama fan, I'm not exactly how sure sure how excited Peyton here is for uh, this. Oh, paper. I can tell you. I can tell you how excited he is. <laughs> oh, Sudo's here, so we won't get fined. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But since I'm filling in for Thomas... I'm supposed to say something about the Yankees, but I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll move on. This is a Yankee-free week, finally, so we can celebrate that. Um, but yeah, i got a good show in store tonight. I'm uh, going to go over, uh, obviously, we're going to be talking about the SEC tonight, continuing on in our five-week lead-up with the Power Five conferences, Thank goodness. which means we only have come... This actually, we'll be starting college football. I believe games start next week. Some of the lower division games. That's true. And so we're really only two weeks away from the first full college football weekend of the year. It's so that time of year again, it's baby. That time of year, the best it feels, time of year. Feels right. It does. So feels I right. can't wait. Excited for uh, MSU plays their Friday night game. Even though it's against Utah State, still get to turn it on Friday night and watch. That's and right. Then have that long weekend on Labor Day. Are there Labor Day games this year? Are there any like there were last year on Labor uh, Day? Again? There probably will be. I mean, it's it's money, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> there probably will. Yeah, be. that the players don't get. They're going to be talking the SEC. Um, going to go over a little bit more college football news. Obviously, the news with Maryland this week and uh, the th- involving the offensive lineman Jordan McNair passing away early this summer and just kind of what the investigation has turned out where things are going on there along with DJ Durkin and I know the assistant coach today was um, they parted ways and um, the uh, strength and conditioning coach as that, well that's who it was the strength and conditioning yeah. coach parted ways on there um, that was really, one of the guys in question really yeah strength yeah. and conditioning yeah. he, he was the big guy that was in question that's right, right. Um, go over a little bit. I don't, don't really have any Urban Meyer updates yet, really. I mean, it's pretty much the same place we were last week, so I really won't touch on that this week. Um, then talk a little bit of MLB, and we know Peyton is super always excited when we talk MLB baseball. Right, Peyton? I, I have something that I could say about baseball, a play that I saw on Twitter. So I could actually contribute something once MLB is actually brought up. Okay. But, this, is, this is a moment to remember. But I can just say I saw it, and it... it was great. That's all I can say. <laughs> I couldn't do it, so. It's wonderful. All right, and then uh, also go over a little bit of NFL. Not a whole lot has happened yet, but just kind of get our takes on what we've seen so far, who we think are going to be our heads. So we'll start out um, real quick, talk about the um, the thing going on in Maryland with, obviously we talked about with Jordan McNair passing away this summer. Um, it's crazy. This is two... This is our third week in a row now talking Big Ten scandal with the, involving the football programs. I mean, it's kind of been a lot going on in the NFL or in the uh, Big Ten in the last year. I mean, with my school, Michigan State, having my school, like I went there. The school that I cheer for, Michigan State, sure. having their problems both with Larry Nasser and then mm-hmm. with accusations against the football team and basketball team, and then continuing on with things happening at Ohio State and then this happening at 
Maryland. Um, just a lot going on. As far as your guys' thoughts, do you, th- do you, do you think um, DJ Durkin is safe for his job? He's on administrative lead right now. Do you think they cut ties? with? The, I mean, it's been a lot of bad publicity on top of the fact that, I mean, you are the head coach. Ultimately, you're responsible for these kids' safety and these kids' uh, well-being when they're here. So, I mean, it's going to take, of course, knowing all the details. I'm sure we don't know all the details yet, but um, I mean, like you say, if he was knowledgeable that the kid was struggling with early signs of heat stroke and he didn't let him get water, because I know that that was brought up that he asked if he could get water. Um, I mean, if if that's the case, then he's going to be in some big time trouble and right. he's probably going to lose his job. I mean, someone lost their life. Right. So that's, that's just not going to fly with really any school in the country. I right. mean, he's going to struggle to find a job anywhere after this if he does indeed. I mean, if, if all the facts come out that he was aware of it, there's no way he keeps his job. That's kind of where I land on the side of um, I mean, we had this thing with Notre Dame, though. That happened, what was that, six, seven years ago, where the kid went up, for the film student went up to film the team? Yeah. Um, at the request of um, Brian Kelly. Yeah. And nothing really ever came of that. It just kind of faded out of the news. So it's not the first time something like this has happened. I would be on the side where I think he's probably going to be held responsible and more than likely the school is separate. Um, part ways with DJ Durkin, but you don't know. I think there's just been a lot of publicity that's gone along, along with it today. Um, mm. I mean, obviously he coached at Michigan before, and Drew Peppers mm-hmm. talked today about how when he was there, he was he, Drew Peppers. I listened to the interview he had on ESPN, and it wasn't he didn't throw DJ Durkin completely into the bus. Um, he tried to be step the be as politically correct as he could and not sure. really throw him in completely, but he did make the statement that it was bully coaching. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously, this looks like it's something that kind of he has created, and that was that mindset of why everybody else underneath him was like, no, we're not going to let players get drinks of water, and then... Yeah, something like this so, happens, yeah. Um, and that's why I would say it's a little bit different than the Notre Dame instance, is because the coach has a lot more responsibility when it comes to that, as far as he has the responsibility of making sure those kids are well hydrated. Right, and I mean, when the with with the other kid with Brian Kelly, I mean, he just asked him to go film, and that that just seems like a freak accident. I mean, right. no one's really at fault there; it's just something that happened. Um, but with this kid, I mean, the coach actually has a lot more say when it comes to getting water, making sure they're hydrated, making sure that they're you know healthy, and he failed that. He failed that. So, um, yeah, I mean, if it comes out that he didn't do his due diligence of letting the kids um, stay hydrated, stay healthy, then and this is going to fall on his shoulders for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think when when pretty much anything that falls under a coach's responsibility that can be deemed reckless, is obviously we have the whole Urban Meyer thing that we don't know all the details, but it's questioning whether or not the coach screwed up or not. Um, honestly, I think the school is also looking at uh, they wouldn't probably say this, but they're looking at what they would be losing. Obviously, with Ohio State, you got some incentive to keep that guy because right. uh, he's phenomenal. Uh, you look at Maryland, uh, 2016, he went 6-7. and seven. 2017, he went 4-8. and eight. There's not like a lot of incentive on a performance end to keep him. Mm. Uh, the fact that uh, the head of the university has already come out and said that we accept moral and legal responsibility for this situation... I, I feel like they're more concerned with uh, how the university is being portrayed, uh, and they're Especially not as yeah they're not as invested in keeping a coach like that around. Yeah, right. 
I think right now it's it's one of those situations, and one of my friends always used to say, <clears throat> if there's if there's smoke, there's probably fire, and I'm seeing a lot of a lot of smoke, <laughs> and uh, this is like the time that when people speak out or when when someone says something, like if it's not true or if if it's just not a content uh, consistent bully coaching, someone needs to be very clear and like no that <clears throat> that's not how it happens. <clears throat> but we're not hearing that at all. Like right. it's it's all just again. So we don't, we don't obviously I don't know anything because facts are not fully out. But it's one of those things that you you have previous players, previous coaches, current players, current coaches, and current like or previous like staff members that are like, well, yeah, something isn't right. It's like. Huh, there's not I haven't really heard anyone that's like really defending DJ Durkin right now, so I'm, Right. And that's what you need. <laughs> but Yeah, has Jim Harbaugh come out and said anything about this at all? No, they they questioned him today and he uh, he chose to not come out nor do I think he should. I mean sure, right. I mean he, he can comment on what Maybe you could have said something about what he did there, but I don't think yeah. he needs to. Yeah. And it, it's, what he did there, just because he may have had bully coaching tactics there, doesn't equate to thinking that he's going to do something like that when he coaches right. in Maryland. I mean, that's for – they can ask those questions privately, and then he can attest to it to show that there's a pattern that was there. That's but valid. I don't, believe, I don't believe that's on Harbaugh to have to come out right. and say one way or the other. So. I agree. Right. I agree. So yeah, definitely, we'll see where things uh, go from here. I'll I'll be very surprised if in the coming weeks he's still the head coach in Maryland. I thought DJ Durkin was going to do a really good job at Maryland. I thought he was going to be a good fit for that and kind of turn that team around. He's recruited really well. He's a good recruiter, but when yep. it's come to games, I mean, granted, you're a you're a low tier team in a competitive conference, right? Uh, so, I mean, he he's got his work cut out for him, and he's recruited really well in a tough area. But yeah, it's just. He hasn't had any results. Right. All right, so uh, we'll move on a little bit here, and we will talk now. SEC. So SEC. You, when you Roll hear the tide, chant, baby. When you hear the chant, ACC, ACC, oh, oh SEC, gosh, SEC. <laughs> Faux pas. Let, let's stop there for one second. What was the phrase last week? That you said you had, we never heard this, what this meant to be. Exactly. He's gone, or he's goning. He's goning? Yes. You could have he's gone someone. Uh, there's there's many different ways that you can say it. Um, said that we would define that this week, and Jared is turning red right now because he knows. It's he a myth. He knows that it is a fact. It's a myth. So... Several years ago, we were at our home watching football, and then someone breaks free on a run. I, I don't remember specifically the player, the game, any of it, because I was just taken aback by what Jared did. This player <laughs> takes off, and he has a clear run to the end zone. Jared goes, oh, he's gone. Out of nowhere. A wide receiver runs up and tackles him at like the two yard line. <laughs> so we were like, Jared, he was he he wasn't in the end zone yet. You he's gone to him. <laughs> you said he's gone and he wasn't gone. He he was still there. So <laughs> periodically after that, Jared has done the same thing. Somebody will make a, an immaculate reception, break off of the tackle, and he's running towards the end zone. 
Just no one's oh, in the oh. screen. No oh, one's in the screen. He's gone. He's gone. <laughs> Called back for holding. Just so many different, so many different ways where, uh, honestly, and and Jared, you can you can attest to this. There have been crazy plays where someone has come out of nowhere from behind, or he's accidentally stepped out of bounds, uh, and. Of course, here we are sitting there, Jared saying, oh, he's going, he's going, he's going. You, he's gone. So many people, Jared. So many people. It was probably Jacoby Jones when Tomlin tried to trip him on the sideline <laughs> on that quick return. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, interestingly enough, uh, Jared never says it when Clemson is playing. So I think he's actually a believer. Interesting. That's a good, that's wow. a good theory. Yeah. Clemson and the Jets. Oh, he's he's silent as a church mouse. Were you watching the Super Bowl when Leon led? Run that touchdown! Well, <laughs> touchdown back against the Bills to go up like sixty something to nothing, and then no. But I've, I've always seen the bloopers, seen and the bloopers. Uh, yeah, it's always considered a blooper. He has two. Leon Lett had that one against in the Super Bowl. That was a huge blunder. I mean, it didn't it didn't mean anything to the game. The one that was worse was I believe they were playing the I want to say it was the Forty ers on Thanksgiving Day the very next year, and all they needed to do was have you know, block the field goal or be a mess, and. It was San Francisco or Kansas City, I think. Anyway, they go to kick the field goal, and they miss it, and it's snow-covered on, on Thanksgiving Day. In this mm-hmm. is in Texas Stadium back then, and everybody stays away. Live ball, you know, and uh, poison, poison, poison. And everybody's standing back. The Cowboys have won the game, and here comes Leon Lett running in on the side. <laughs> Goes down to try and grab the ball, misses it because it's on the snow sliding around. The other team picks it up. 20-yard field goal wins the game. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of cowboy talk going on. I yeah, know. Yeah. Well, it's too negative to co- the cowboy <laughs> talks thing, so I guess you guys can handle that. Now, I, I will say one time, uh, Jared wanted to he's gone someone. He wanted to very badly, and it was during the kick six game. And mm. thankfully, I slapped him in the throat mm. before he could actually say anything. <laughs> Chris Davis. It goes I wish you would have said that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's, right. a, it's a myth, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's a, a myth. myth. So he's goning. We'll keep that. We'll use that term. Oh, we'll bring term. that up when Jared does it during the season. We will bring it up and uh, actually talk about and break down those plays where someone just out of nowhere shows up <laughs> just to be like, oh, well, Jared said it. I got to make this tackle. <laughs> I uh, can't wait. T- Tennessee wins 12 games this year and uh, makes the playoffs. He's conning. Oh. Yeah, he's he's oh. gone to Tennessee now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now. Your new coach should be safe because we know it's not the coach's fault. It's Jared's fault because he called it out in the show. Absolutely. I, I, I get that. Jeremy, Jeremy Pruitt, you can sleep well. <laughs> it's Jared's fault. That's all you have to say at SEC Media Days. <laughs> all right. Funny. So, guys, uh, talk a little bit SEC here then. Um, obviously... Uh, tough conference. I think we're you're definitely getting the SEC. You're talking. Um, I think the SEC is easily SEC Big Ten are the best conferences in college football currently. I think it's hard to be able to point a clear favorite. I'm going to definitely go towards Big Ten. I think a little bit biasly, but um, <laughs> uh, really good football. You're going to have every week when SEC teams, lots of these younger, even lower teams, can always put up really good competition. Um, just good games to watch all the time. So lots of things can happen in here. Uh, as far as predictions goes, I think we'll start with Peyton this week just because this is obviously his conference, and he's a true fan unlike somebody else in this room apparently. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll never deny that I'm not a bandwagon Alabama fan. I, <laughs> I am a bandwagon Alabama fan. I've been to four games, 
So, I mean, that's more so, than a lot of... That's more than a lot of other Alabama uh, fans. True so. Alabama fans can say, but, I mean, that also can be just because I've... I've been very fortunate, but anyways, I am a bandwagon fan. I will absolutely admit that for all of my friends that have given me such grief for the past <laughs> years. Well, hey, the first step is admitting you have a problem. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm in recovery. Being a bandwagon fan or just being a fan of Alabama? Oh, it doesn't matter. Okay. Just the fact that <laughs> Alabama was probably. in the sentence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was um, not happy to see the Alabama hat tonight, but Sudo's a great guy, so... Um, He's letting it slide. I'm just looking down a lot. <laughs> that is, that's how we'll handle tonight. Um, no, so I, I am just... I'm an SEC believer i I love it um paul feinbaum i hope he focuses on the sec for the rest of his life um you know just there's so many different aspects not only from an analyst i like who's predominantly talking about it to just the style of football that comes out of that conference uh and obviously yes my favorite team is in the conference that's pretty natural for where people tend to fall for their conference loyalties but um I'm, honestly, there's a lot of question marks in the SEC for this year, um, and that's predominantly coming from coaching changes because it was a rough year for a lot of teams with injuries. Um, you look at Texas A&M and Mississippi State having to deal with uh, significant quarterback injuries. It was, just, it was a weird year, uh, and Alabama and Georgia were running over everybody. Um, so... This year, I feel like, is um, poised to um, also be really weird and disappointing because of those changes and not a lot of consistency. Or we're going to see some incredible um, responses from some of these newer teams that are put together. Um, Like Mississippi State has Joe Moorhead now. Uh, Interesting pick, Uh, him coming from Penn State, very gritty program. Uh, Mississippi State, you know, they're... You know they they mirror that, um, so I can see that being a good fit for them. Um, but I'm I'm just curious to see uh, what they're going to do with Nick Fitzgerald back as well. Um, gross injury last year. Uh, felt bad for the guy because he was putting up numbers, um, but he wasn't the prettiest quarterback to look at uh, as far as his style of play. Uh, but I mean he was effective. Um, anyway, so I'm interested to see how Joe Moorhead utilizes. Uh, Fitzgerald and uh, starts to get that offense up and running. Um, Because they've been, they haven't been spectacular since Dak has left. Um, They've been, they've left a lot to be desired uh, on that end. Um, Their defense has been okay. Um, They've had some stars come through, but again, it's, you know, when are they going to have that team that just steps above all the rest and is actually able to contend for, um, for, an SEC title. I don't think it's this year, uh, but I'm excited to see what Joe Moorhead does. Um, Arkansas now has Chad Morris, um, which Jared can be happy about, uh, a uh, Clemson product stepping into a, a major coaching position. going to be very different as far as his philosophy because he's extremely offensive-minded, extremely offensive-minded. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how Chad Morris uh, translates to the SEC yeah, and I don't know. I, I kind of wonder if Arkansas's offensive style will will change because they've traditionally been just a run-first team. I'm wondering if Chad Morris is going to look to balance that out a little bit more. Um, 
But I mean, you know, who, who's going to lead it? You got to have a quarterback that's going to lead that balance. You can't just expect it to happen. Uh, first year in, you know, I, still more question marks, but an interesting move. Um, he was uh, he wasn't a bad coach at SMU. Uh, I don't know. I, they have a lot of faith in I think his recruiting ability as well uh, because of what he was able to contribute to in Clemson, and he was able to build at SMU. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully he doesn't squander a huge opportunity like Arkansas. Uh, Brett Bielema was, I don't know how that man was able to recruit the running backs that he did. Um, you know, at his time with Arkansas and with Wisconsin as well. I know Jared and I have talked about that several times. He just got these gigantic running backs that could bowl over linebackers. Uh, but he, he couldn't compete. He just... He dropped games when when it wasn't necessary. So I think Arkansas is interested in a big, you know, a big change uh, because Chad Morris is very different from Bielema. Um, so I, I think he could be a good fit, but uh, he, he's got a tremendous opportunity ahead of him. I was so happy Brett Bielema failed in Arkansas. You were happy? I was so happy because he – I mean, I, I never have cared for the man too much. I didn't like him when he was at Wisconsin. Like, I, I don't really hate Wisconsin, but I hated Brett Bielema when he was there. And I think he, it was just a – Stupid move to leave Wisconsin to go to Arkansas. I don't. I think he thought because he was moving to the SEC, that was a bigger time move. He hadn't made it in Arkansas easily or at at Wisconsin. So I was very happy. Anyway, side note there to see that he failed and now that sounds like direction. just a Big Ten real bitter about the SEC. It's the, it's, That's it's really what it that. sounds it's, like. It's, it's, it's not the SEC. It's not Brett Bielema. It's <laughs> having you had it made in Wisconsin. And he threw all that away to go to a. He was just so underwhelming. He was team. he was underperforming at Wisconsin, and honestly, I think he got out while he still had value. And I think so too. I think another reason was uh, he saw Jim Harbaugh coming in, and I think he knew at that point he, he left before that though, didn't well, he? Well, I, I think he knew. Hey, you got Jim Harbaugh, and you got Urban Meyer in the same. Let's save the Harbaugh talks next week when I can lay it down the about same, what Jim Harbaugh in the really same is. conference. So you got some you got some problems there as far as head coaching is concerned in the Big Ten. Um, now, of course, you know SEC has some excellent coaches, but you have Nick Saban. Other than that, though, I mean, there aren't really any other coaches that have a, a long tenure with another SEC school. So um, now you have Jimbo Fisher, of course, with Texas A and M. So I mean, he definitely brings something to the table since he he won a national championship at Florida State. And as we talked about last week, there's only four other active coaches that can say that. So, you know, obviously he brings something to the table as well. But uh, we'll let Peyton continue on with his analysis. Yeah, and Bielma, he did leave before Harbaugh was there. He left a couple of years before Har- Harbaugh got in there because Harbaugh's been there since 2014. 2015 was his first season. 2015. Um, Bielma left in, I think it was 2012. Um, but... I, I don't think Jared's wrong because Mark D'Antonio was on a rise then. Um, you know, Urban Meyer was finding his success as well. Uh, so I, I think he was definitely just kind of realizing he wasn't going to fit in with um, where coaching was going in the direction of the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And also that, again, while he had value, why not take a shot and get into the SEC? Um you know, change things up. Maybe it's a little bit different. Uh, he's he's very much a um, he likes to have a versatile running game. Um, so being able to get into a conference that you know supports that 
Uh, you know, and just the general style of play, I think that's what he was going for. But, I mean, I, he, it didn't work out at Arkansas. Uh, I, I wish I had an answer of why, because I enjoyed him as a coach, uh, especially as a recruiter. He always brought in guys that believed uh, in their team, but he just, I don't know, underwhelming. So I, I think that uh, I think Chad Morris will be a, uh, an interesting addition for Arkansas. But look over at, uh, I know we've already talked about Mississippi State once, but Florida – now having Dan Mullen, uh, kind of a weird, weird change in my opinion to just bounce teams within the same conference. Um, Bold. Gra- yeah, granted, <laughs> Florida. You know that's that's a great program to get into, um, but I don't know. Dan Mullen was starting to get kind of a system going there in Mississippi State. Uh, I think he he still needed to. Um, he needed that all-star staff around him um, to, to get to that next level, but they were staying more consistently competitive than Ole Miss. Granted, Ole Miss had the whole Hugh Freeze thing uh, take place, um, but he was really starting to build and organize Mississippi State. Um, so I don't know. I Honestly, I, I don't see him being terribly successful mm-hmm. at Florida. Um, maybe I'm wrong. But uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see who he brings in. His recruiting classes are going to tell a lot uh, because Florida is so competitive to recruit out of. Even with, um, even with the presence and the name, uh, you're still having to go against Miami and Florida State and Clemson has broken in and Georgia has broken in. And you, with Texas, Florida itself, Alabama. even though it's just Florida Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. Or not, 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 not Florida Gulf Coast. Where's... Florida Atlantic, uh, FAU, FAU, yeah, FAU. Lane Kiffin. Kiffin, we don't talk about him anymore. FAU, and you're you're seeing he's uh, recruited well there. So. You're seeing rises in USF and UCF yeah, being exactly. able to bring in top yeah. talent from Florida. So yep. I don't know. Dan Mullen, I think, is going to have to up his recruiting game if he wants to be uh, successful at Florida. Yeah. Um, we're we're going to really see how tested he is as a game manager. And that Florida defense is still great, but that offense has struggled a lot over the last year. So, I mean, that's that needed a lot of work on that offensive side. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, some teams that I want to watch, though, as much as I don't want to say this one, Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher. Um, Jimbo is unfortunately uh, successful in game management, um, and he's a good recruiter. I, I don't enjoy him as a coach. I feel like if I'm being realistic, it's uh, just a bias that doesn't even matter. Um, but Texas A&M typically has a, uh, a pretty good program. Uh, so him stepping in, I don't feel like there's going to be a huge lapse. I think that he will do a little bit better than they did last year. Um, not necessarily SEC title contenders. you gotta have, you got to have that guy as a um, – as a quarterback to lean on, and it's Nick Starkle as, as their starting quarterback, I believe. Uh, you know, Kellen Mond had to come in after Starkle got injured. Um, I would assume that Starkle is going to be the guy once they get to this fall, but, uh, you know, how much has he increased his game as a leader on the uh, on the team? Um, LSU as well. Um, I'm really interested to see what they do with their schedule um, because – Right out of the gate, they're playing Miami to start, and that could uh, that could have some pretty huge implications. Uh, easy game with um, uh, Southeast Louisiana after that. 
Uh, but then they're right in with Auburn. They've got a good schedule in the fact that their first five games are spaced out between Miami, Southeast Louisiana, Auburn, and then Louisiana Tech, and then Ole Miss. So they've got kind of that jump of not having too many really, really tough teams um, at the at the beginning back-to-back. So I feel like that could give them some good momentum. Once they get into the tough part, uh, when they hit Florida, Georgia, Mississippi State, and Alabama back-to-back-to-back. Um, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be interesting to see how they get through that stretch. But I also feel like they could get some good momentum going. They're another team though, who's you know who's gonna lead at quarterback? Jared and I have talked about this countless times. As soon as they get a quarterback, they're gonna be scary. But who's gonna be the guy to step up and actually perform? Because their offense has been just not fun to watch outside of Leonard Fournette and Darius Geis the last couple of years. Mm. So they get the receivers and they get the running backs, but they don't get the guy that can lead them. And, of course, that's the quarterback position. But, yeah, really interesting with LSU as far as their schedule because as I'm looking here, they're playing four top ten teams this year as far as just preseason is concerned. Obviously, it shuffles throughout the season, but still, that's... LSU always schedules very That is well incredible, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah, they... They know what schedule means to them. Um, they know how it can help them out late in the year. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how they do. I, I think they could have a chance at creating um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of upsets within. I, I don't, right now, I don't think they'll make it to the championship, but I wouldn't be surprised if they upset to get in there. Um, as far as my championship prediction... Um, I, I, I honestly, I, I have some, I have some questions with Georgia, uh, but I feel like they'll be in the SEC championship. Um, their run game, I just, I don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> uh, now, granted, I, I know they're recruiting well. I know they're bringing guys in, and Kirby Smart's going to, you know, be sure. But still, you're losing. Uh, Michelle and Chubb, yep. who were both ridiculous last year. Um, I, I feel like Georgia will make it to the championship game, though, and I'm going to hold to it. I think Auburn meets them there. I think Auburn is on the other side, and I think Auburn is uh, going to come out on top. I think Auburn wins the SEC. Um, I know the biggest thing that pretty much every analyst out there would come back and be like, oh, they don't have an offensive line. They lost... You know, four of their five starters. Okay, yes, and they had um, a lot of injuries last year, which a lot of their uh, backup guys had to end up coming in playing significant time. Mm-hmm. Um, Prince, I uh, don't even remember his last name. I know his first name is Prince. Uh, he's going to be um, one of their tackles this year. He started last year, struggled, uh, you know, came back late in the season and had a lot of improvement and uh, was really a, a big help at breaking uh, on Johnson at the end of the year and really putting up the numbers that he was. That offensive line performed, uh, and it was a battered line, and uh, several of those guys are still there. They've got a five-star that was redshirted last year who will be coming in that he got an entire year of some good practice snaps. They, Auburn, Auburn brings in good offensive linemen year after year after year, yeah. producing NFL talent. It's similar to, and I know we talked about the Clemson defensive line. It's such a deep set that they have 
that when that next guy comes up, not only is he hungry for it, but he's gotten to practice with guys that are just you know, ridiculously impressive, and they're moving on to the next level. To me, I have confidence in Auburn's, uh, in Auburn's offensive line going into this year. Of course, you've got Stidham coming back at quarterback. Um, the one thing that, uh, that's really going to hurt, um, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with, uh, with the running back position. Um, they, you know, carry on Johnson was such a, uh, freak athlete at the end of that year. Um, you know, really showing his grit and determination, getting through injury and still playing. Um, but they've had the last 10 seasons, a running back over a thousand yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ben Tate, no nine. Michael Dyer, 2010, 2011. Trey Mason, 12 and 13. Cameron Artis Payne, 2014. Peyton Barber, 2015. Cameron Petway, 2016. Carryon Johnson, 2017. These are not guys that you're sitting there thinking when they're coming out of high school into college. Oh yeah, he's he's going to be he's going to be the guy in college. No, they get the right guy that's going to fit well for their team. Um, and I know that they've you know I I don't see this trend breaking. They know how to have a successful run game. Auburn plays a blue collar mm-hmm. type of game in the SEC. Absolutely. Their defense, they, they never have trouble uh, recruiting for defense either. I, I see Auburn surprising a lot of people um, with, uh, I know they have that early game against Washington, and people are already kind of, you know, oh, it's Washington's chance. It's Washington's chance. Yeah, but it's Auburn's chance too to start off with a cross-conference game of a, uh, of a top 25 team that is likely going to have a very successful run in their own conference, so they're going to be ranked at the end of the year. Uh, I, I see Auburn coming out of the SEC. Don't forget that late-season game, though, that trap game, the second-to-last week of the year. Oh, against the against old the Liberty Flames. Liberty Flames. Tell you. Um, <laughs> lo- looking at Auburn's schedule, um, and, and I do, I, I like Auburn as well. I think that they're still going to carry the – they kind of fell off a little bit at the end of the year, so I don't want to say momentum, but they did have a very good year last year. Uh, I want to say, though, looking at their schedule, that I mean, they got some tough road games at the end of the year that's going to be really difficult for them. They play at Georgia, yeesh, and they play at Alabama, double yeesh. <laughs> so, I mean, they they have a tough road ahead of them. Um, they also, I mean, they play LSU as well. So, I mean, they, they have a tough schedule. They play Washington. Can they come out of it? I think they have the talent to do it, sure. And I honestly think that they have the best pure passer in the SEC with Jarrett Stidham. I think he is the best pure passer in the SEC. I disagree. Uh, well, we can look at stats. Um, but anyways. That's right, Jarrett Guarantano. Drew Locke. That's right, <laughs> Drew Locke. Drew Locke. Missouri. Uh, he had 44, touching pa- 44 passing touchdowns last year. Yeah, he, Led the SEC very quietly. He, he did. Over, overlooked quarterback galore, I think. He did. Uh, let, let's see how he does this year, though. Um, I want to see what his schedule was last year, too. But anyway, uh, just with the team around him and everything, I think Jared Stidham has a, a better chance of maybe being even player of the conference towards the end of the year. So um, even he's even a, a Heisman hopeful. I know that they have him listed as that. So um, anyway, I, I like Jared Stidham. I think he's he's going to wind up having a solid year, another good campaign for Auburn. Um, looking, and I know I know Peyton didn't even want to utter the words <laughs> Alabama, <laughs> but, 
looking at their schedule as well, I mean, they play Louisville at the beginning of the year, but at this point, if your name is Alabama, you really don't even have to schedule anyone. Right. So you can just win out your schedule. It'd be a bunch of cupcake schools. You're going to you're gonna make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. So, I mean, even now, the thing with them, looking at their schedule, they don't have a lot of scary away games this year. I mean, they play at Ole Miss. They play at Arkansas. They play at Tennessee. Uh-huh. The yeah, only the only game that that's away that I could potentially see them losing is the LSU game. They play at LSU, which has kind of dissolved as far as the rivalry is concerned over the past few years. I, I feel like with Les Miles when he was there, it was more of a rivalry. But since he left, I feel like it's dissolved a little bit. Um, but, I mean, I still think it's a great rivalry. Don't get me wrong, LSU and Alabama, oh, those games are always fun to watch. I mean, I a lot of people hated seeing the, de- the defensive slugfest that those were. But other than that, then they play against Auburn and Mississippi State at home. And, I mean, Alabama's just, they're another team when they're at home. I mean, they're, they're so good in Tuscaloosa. It's really difficult to come out of there with a win. So, honestly, the only game that I really could see them losing is the LSU game. Whereas with Auburn, I could see them losing at Georgia. And then, of course, I could see them losing at Alabama. So, I mean, it's, it's tough to say that Alabama's most likely not going to come out of that conference, uh, that side of the conference out of the West as the winners. But... Um, I mean, they beat each other up. They do. But just looking at the schedule this year, it just looks like one of those scheduling years for Alabama that it looks like, I mean, they should run the table on their side of things. Um, and they're just as talented as they've ever been. Yeah. Yeah, that's the unfortunate part as well. But yeah. we, we look <laughs> at their... you ask. That's true. Well, uh, unfortunate for people not Alabama fans. <laughs> we look at their current quarterback situation, though, and I know that we were just talking before the show, and as much as I try to talk about this particular team as little as possible... Uh, Jalen Hurts or Tua Tagovailoa, Jalen Hurts is a very good college system quarterback. Yes. Agreed. Tua is a freak of nature with his talent, with his ability, with his leadership. I think Tua is going to be the better quarterback. I think he already is the better quarterback. My my gut tells me is that he will start, that Nick Saban will start him. Um, you didn't bring him there for nothing, and Jalen Hurts showed you a lot of inconsistency near the end of the year there. Um, I, I feel like he gives it to Tua. Um, Jalen Hurts, you know, he's, he's not a bad backup to have if anything does happen to Tua. So I don't think that Nick Saban... Uh, will be afraid to bench him. Uh, we've seen that before. He he doesn't care. Nah, he, he doesn't. <laughs> he has the Belichick mind mindset, and I hate saying that. My two like, least favorite coaches of all time. <laughs> um, they have the same mindset when it comes to that. You get out there, you perform, or I'll find someone who does. And guys buy into that in their system. Guys, they know it, they understand it, and they rise to the occasion most of the time. But um, I, I feel like two is going to be the starter, and I feel like he's going to have – He'll have a Heisman year, even though I still say Auburn comes out. I I think that, real quickly, that um, I think Nick Saban could potentially start Jalen Hurts in the first half of that Austin P game, and then Alabama most likely going to be blowing them out. 
and then put Tua in there as well. Um, or excuse me, not the Austin P game. I'm looking at the Georgia schedule here. So the the Louisville game, maybe even the Arkansas State game. Maybe I just think he might start him to to start the season. Jalen Hurts, that is, and he's on a short leash, uh, almost like when Deshaun Watson and Cole Stout, because Dabo was the type of coach that, hey, I'm gonna play the the guy that has the seniority. So he played Cole Stout first. Mm-hmm. Cole Stout didn't perform. They pulled him halfway through that Florida State game and put, um, actually at the beginning of the Florida State game, and then they put Deshaun Watson in the game. And then the rest is history with Deshaun Watson. Now, this is a little bit different because obviously Tua came in the late last year and he led them to the national late title. last year? He only came That's in right. the second half That's of the That's what I mean, the second half of the championship. Well, he, pl- he, where- played, he played beforehand. He was in. Like, Well, obviously it was... It was garbage time. Right, it was garbage time, exactly. I mean, and and this is where I'll come in and say why with Tua. I'm I'm not sold 100% as everybody is that it's him hands down. I think it very well could be. I think he could be as talented and as good as what was portrayed in that game. However, you look at that game. He only threw, what, six passes? It wasn't a lot. They ran the ball for the most part in that championship game. Now, granted, he had one of the probably the most glorious passes in not just championship game history, but play college football history with that beautiful pass on the second forever. Um, as a freshman, too, man. As a freshman. I mean, <laughs> and, and this is the thing that I kind of wonder about, too. I mean, he's that freshman. Um, I, I kind of wonder if you saw it go to his head, though. I mean, his persona that was kind of after that game, that humble kind of guy you saw a little bit, I've, I don't, I've seen a little bit more of a – boastful attitude out of him when I've seen him on interviews more recently. And that kind of makes me wonder to where he's going to go on this side of things and what issues that may cause. It may be nothing. It's just something I'm curious. I want to watch and see how it goes. Um, And that's the thing too. I think it's for him. I think Tua is either going to be extremely successful or he's going to fall flat and it's not going to meet expectations at all. I don't think it's going to be either one one of the or. I think it's going to be extremely successful or he's going to fail completely. I think he probably gets the nod and is probably the guy throughout the year. Like you said, I think that and, – and I I like Jalen Hurts a lot. I think he's a great guy. And I, I, I almost, for that standpoint, would want him to be able to get it. But at the end of the day, you're playing to win the game. And I think Tua probably does give you a little bit of, better of an opportunity to do it. Regardless of what happens, though, Alabama can win regardless who's at quarterback, I think. And they have enough talent across the board that – the quarterback controversy, even though it may be there, isn't going to be the deciding thing what happens in their future. They're one of the three schools in the country as far as um, the quarterback position is concerned where they have viable options. They have at least two options. I think Clemson's in that conversation with Trevor Lawrence as well as Kelly Bryant. And then with Georgia, you have Jake Fromm and Justin Fields. I mean, Justin Fields was actually uh, the number one recruit coming out over Trevor Lawrence, who was number two. Um, he was a dual-threat quarterback. And then you have the Jalen Hurts and Tua um, conversation as well. So, I mean, I think those three schools, but the thing that makes it at least a little bit of an easier decision to make is that you can win with either of them because the team around them yeah. is fantastic. All, I mean, all three of those teams are just complete good football teams. So, I mean, yeah, these coaches have really tough decisions to make, and I wouldn't want to be in the, the decision-making room uh, for any of those schools, but I, I mean, 
It's, it's tough, man. It's it, Those are tough decisions to make because, you know, you, you put kids' careers on the line. You know, kids want to show that they can they can play and that they can play at the next level. I mean, that's what they go to college for is to show that, hey, I'm good and I can play at the NFL level. So if they're not getting on the field, then obviously they're not being able to show their, their skill set. And, you know, Nick Saban has – I hate complimenting him. He has an incredible ability to coach upside. He – looks at a freshman and sees a senior and he makes that freshman believe that they're a senior and that they've already played three years ahead of time and they're, you know, just the best person on the field. I, you know, he's very good at that. Um, He brings potential out of players um, way more than uh, a lot of other coaches do. I think that's just a natural ability that he has looking uh, at people. and again, it frustrates me just because I, I hate the team. I don't like him. Um, I can't deny the fact that he's he knows how to win. Uh, but I feel like, and he probably wouldn't admit this, he would say, I'm going to play who's going to give me the best shot at winning. In the championship game last year, yeah, that was Tua. Uh, coming into the season, he's going to say it's a blank slate. I think that he sees the team growing and succeeding more with Tua than with Jalen Hurts. With Jalen Hurts, it's going to be a similar team as what you had last year. Mm-hmm. But with Tua, I think it can be a greater team than what he had last year. And I, I, I think that'll be the decision yeah. or the, the factor made in his decision. I was going to say, you've, not that Jalen Hurts obviously hasn't been a, a good system quarterback, but you've seen like you've seen the ceiling now like yeah it's it's there he's he's a good he's a good baller like he's a gamer but i mean you've seen a half of football out of Tua it's like oh maybe that's a ceiling but probably not right. <laughs> like mm-hmm. who knows um my thoughts are in all honesty i i just imagine I, I, two is the guy. Like, I, I know that going in, he's not, but I'm looking at even the third week at Ole Miss. At that point, I think you need to be at Tua because that's, I mean, you know, I'm seeing Ole Miss come in. My predictions, maybe Ole Miss around six and six this year. You know, it's like mediocre, but it's at Ole Miss SEC football. You know, it's, you need Tua because at that point, you want that rhythm at that point, you know, it's a 7 PM game. That's, that's the lights. It's a Saturday night lights that that's, you know, the, one of the first big games that year, it's, I don't know. I mean, who knows how it's going to start out. I'm sure that, yeah, Jalen Hurts will probably get the ball early, but it's gotta be two eventually pretty quick in my opinion. And what's interesting is we've of course talked about how Nick Saban just doesn't care. So, Really, why would we? Why why would we think that he's going to start Jalen Hurts to to start the season? Like, why wouldn't he just go with the guy that everyone thinks? Hey, two is the guy. Like we all saw it. Um, obviously, we're not in practices. We don't see that. But um, does Nick Saban do that to appease the the audience? I mean, I, I don't no. think so. I, I don't think he cares. No. When when you've won five national championships, that's right. Do anything to that's that's games. exactly right. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Funny, I I mean, I obviously started watching Alabama later in my life. So, again, we can 
go back to the bandwagon all we want, but I'm looking at obviously Damian Harris. I think he came in as he came in as preseason All SEC running back, but then you look at the guy behind him, Joshua Jacobs, currently, and it's funny, Peyton. That, again, you obviously don't love Nick Saban, and that's totally warranted. But Joshua Jacobs was like a two-three star running back out of. <laughs> BF Tulsa, Oklahoma or something like that. And Nick Saban doesn't even necessarily go to the freshman and say, no, no, you're a senior. He goes to the high school senior and says, this is, this is what I have for you. Like, this is what I have envisioned for you. But he also finds that with the random, like hosses, like it's just, it's crazy. And obviously I, yeah, I, I'm a little more partial um, obviously, being a, a a follower of Alabama football, I'd say that Alabama does beat out on the on the uh, west side. Um, I mean, all respect, the game in Tennessee at at Neyland, I mean, that's never easy. Regardless of what Tennessee does this year, that's never an easy game for Alabama. In the past couple of years, it's been pretty easy. <laughs> but you, you never it know. It wasn't when Shy Tuttle was still in the game and he and Derek Barnett were terrorizing, but then Shy Tuttle went out. And- you just you just never know. It's uh, That's one of those things, and I think that's the glory, in my opinion, of SEC football. It's you never know, especially when it comes to away games. It's... It, uh, you have a 105,000 strong stadium that you're going into. Technically, you're the favorite, but it's not fun. That's an awful environment. You go to go to LSU, the Death Valley. With, I mean, them them people down there are another breed. <laughs> They're crazy down there. <laughs> what, what, what did you call? What did you call their? Wasn't it Death Valley? Oh, Death Valley. Interesting, Jared. Oh, the secondary Death Valley. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, no, I, I'm really interested to see what happens with Auburn uh, come week six at Mississippi State. Um, that'll be, I think that'll be really telling. Uh, well, I mean, right out of the gate, Washington, Washington in Atlanta, Georgia, for all intents and purposes, that's a home game for for Auburn. Absolutely. So that's that's not fun for Washington. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see come week six Mississippi State. I, I obviously I. I like Alabama, therefore, I also follow Auburn. You know, like I, I watch recruiting. I, I see what's going on there. Mississippi State, in my opinion, they have some, they have some pieces, like some serious pieces. And I was looking at kind of like returners. Obviously, we have Nick, Nick Fitzgerald. We've talked about him. Uh, I'm seeing Aris Williams, redshirt senior. He had. 1,100 yards last year, 14 carrying touchdowns. And then we have a uh, – it's really a, a four-man receiving core coming back in Reginald Todd, Jesse Jackson, Keith Mixon, and uh, Diedrich Thomas. Nick Fitzgerald just has options on options. And, yeah, I think that that early game for Auburn and Mississippi State both is just going to be really telling about – Really, how that how the West shakes up, in my opinion, because shoot, if if Mississippi State comes out of that game victorious, who's to say that by some you know some happenstance they don't they don't beat Alabama? I mean, who knows? Who's the new head coach at Mississippi State? No, Dan Mullen is it not was in Florida. Jim Moorhead, right? Yeah, Mississippi State's yeah. got Jim Moorhead. Um, 
and everything I'm reading, well, about a couple things, everything I'm reading about Alabama, there's a big question mark in the secondary. Um, well, I mean, defense, we all know that, or we hear and we think Nick Saban is this, you know, genius, but um, there are some serious question marks in that, in that secondary, in that defense. I'm interested to see, they, they have some guys coming back and they have some, some names. Um, obviously, preseason, all SEC, they got a couple guys there. Um, but even Mississippi State, I keep hearing the names Jeffrey Simmons and Montez Sweat everywhere I look. Everywhere I look, it's something about that Mississippi State defensive core coming back. And I'm like, who knows? They, with fresh blood in there as the coach, um, my opinion, yeah, Dan Mullen had brought them to a decent program, but in my opinion, he couldn't quite get them there. And so it's like, okay, now we have this core. Let's get some fresh blood in there. Let's get some some new ideas from the Big Ten, just different football. Let's see what happens. And I'm interested to see what Mississippi State does. It'll be, it'll be an interesting SEC West, that's for sure. Um, I, I think Georgia, Georgia runs the table. Um, yeah. It's <laughs> down. Too talented for that side. The, the only team I really see that could even challenge them might be South Carolina. And, ugh, that just it's horrible for me to say. There's not a lot of talk about Tennessee, guys. Kind of disappointed. But, um, oh, well, 4-8 four, four last year. I'm sorry. Another new coach, Jeremy Pruitt. <laughs> uh, but, Wait, where was he last year? We don't want to talk about this. Oh, past. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let, me, let me ask you this. You, you, you hate Nick Saban, obviously. I've kind of gathered that. If Nick Saban was to come coach at Tennessee next, though, would would you be all for that? Would you love? I would not like that. No, I would not like that. I feel like that's the people that I've talked to in the SEC. It's like I no, like I I, they despise him as a person so much that I don't get that. Like I I I get why. I mean, as as a fan, you wouldn't like him, but and as a fan, I I should not like Nick Saban. I know why you like him. We all know why you like him. Why do I like him? Because he was a Michigan State coach. Michigan State brought up. <laughs> Listen, I was just going to say, that's why I shouldn't like him, though. I mean, he left. He left. He was building MSU up to what it was in the late 90s, and he left without really much warning to go to LSU. They did the same thing from LSU to Miami and the same thing from the Dolphins to Alabama. He's done that everywhere he's been when he's left. And so for that sake, I shouldn't like him because he – he was building our program up, and then it left us in turmoil until D'Antonio came in again because Bobby Williams couldn't do it, and then neither could John L. Smith. So if, um, if Lloyd Carr would have been brought into Michigan State, would you have been good with that? No. <laughs> I, mean, I, I would have been okay with Lloyd I, I wouldn't have loved it, but Lloyd Carr I could deal with. And now if you were to ask me if Jim Harbaugh was to come coach at MSU, mm. oh, man. Now, we'll save this a lot for next week, but I, I, I will say this while we're on this topic. My biggest fear for this next season, it, it's twofold. There's two worst things could, two good things could happen, and they could be the two worst things possible. One, U of M could do terrific. They go out of the gate, and they could win the national championship. That'd be freaking awful. They could do awful, go three and nine. I don't think that's going to happen, but worst case scenario, that's that's not going to happen. But let's say they do really poor and Jim Harbaugh decides to leave and go someplace else. I could very easily see after this year, Dallas in a point of 
saying, all right, enough of Jason Garrett. And it has been said by Jerry Jones, he likes Jim Harbaugh a lot. And I tell you this, if Jim Harbaugh becomes the coach of the Dallas Cowboys, I burn everything Dallas I own. <laughs> no, no joke. That is how much I this despise that. This is on that. record, Gosh, ladies we'll, and gentlemen. This we'll, is on cow. record. We'll put that on the show. And, oh, and just, just to say, the only reason I picked Lloyd Carr over Jim Harbaugh, I figured you would say no to Jim Harbaugh, but I also wanted to pick someone who actually had demonstrated success. And that half national Harbaugh, I feel like he's he's still on his way, but we'll you know he hasn't done it yet. Anyway, we'll touch on that next week. Anyways, anyways, yeah, we'll get that next week. Back to the back to the better conference. Where I was with Nick Saban, like even though I should not from that from that standpoint, I like Nick Saban a lot. I think he is. Oh my gosh, (laughs) thrilling so much. (laughs) I think Nick Saban is probably. You put him in the greatest coach, college football coach of all time. He's he's there, and it's him and Bear Bryant. I mean, the, the conversation you have, which are both two coaches out of Alabama, I don't think you really go away from that. Um, he's just the success he had at LSU, and the success he's had at Alabama. It's and fo- I think football is even more competitive now than it was in the era of Bear Bryant. Where it is now. So what he's done oh, at this point far. in time to, to be able to win is consistently the way Alabama has won year after year, and to keep rebuilding, and to do it when I th- some people may question this, but I think I think Saban's done it clean. I don't think he's ch- cheated. I don't think he's done anything out of the ordinary. I think he's played a pretty clean system overall at Alabama, and some of us can look, hope. Oh, let's go hope exactly. <laughs> there you go. Um, real quick, um, we'll get into our predictions here because we're already at we're already at fifty six minutes into the show. And all we've talked about is the SEC. We knew this was going to be a long one with wanting to be able to talk about this. Which is it. why, which it. is why, as an ACC fan who is not doesn't have a say in the fight, I, I do think SEC top to bottom is the better conference. Well, it's funny. Um, so I, I I listed out all of the schedules, so I, I have them all in front of me, and I was consistently marking like win losses. What I predict it's going to happen. And consistently I'm seeing like almost every SEC team I have in here, the only real losses they have are to SEC teams. And maybe that goes to scheduling, maybe that goes towards whatever. It's it's powerful. Like it's just it's it's deep. It's the best. It is very deep. I, each like you say, each team just has the capability to come out and beat you uh, each week. I mean it's it's very possible for that to happen. Even Tennessee. Even yeah. Tennessee. Especially and Tennessee. I, I think, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of talk across conferences with quarterbacks, what conference has the best quarterbacks. I think the SEC right now has the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, top to bottom, like I said, I think Drew Locke is, was extremely underrated last year in Missouri because Missouri kind of got overshadowed. They started out rough. But 44 t- passing touchdowns, I mean, more than double what Jarrett uh, Stenham was. I mean, and Stenham was great fit. Fantastic, too. Obviously a Heisman candidate. But you got Drew Locke. Then you have Tua, who we're talking about, who I think is going to be great. Jarrett Stenham. Jake Fromm. We'll see how this happens out with his injury, um, what comes out of that. But you have Jake Fromm. Um, and even out of South Carolina, you had Jake Bentley. Jake Bentley looked terrific. And here, here's another one, too. Um, again, this is same for next week with Shea Patterson going to U of M. I said this before he even transferred to U of M. Jordan Teamau 
came in last year and took over him when he got hurt. He looked fantastic. And I had even said that I think he, if, if Shea would have stayed in old, at Ole Miss, that would have been a quarterback controversy right there. And I think uh, Jordan Tiamat would want. In fact, um, ES, or Sports Illustrated did their top 100 players. Jordan Tiamat came in number 70, 76. Shea Patterson came in number 80. So, I mean, there's a lot across the board that you can see a lot of really good quarterbacks that you're going to see that are going to have a come out of. So um, that's why you say I think they can beat each other week in and week out. There's a lot of good competition you're going to have. I think it's pretty easy to say, in my opinion, that Alabama – It's gonna, I think it's going to be Alabama-Georgia pretty easily, in my opinion. Maybe Auburn in that. Um, but you never know. Crazy things can happen. So that's that's my pick. I'm going to say a championship game for SEC will be Alabama, Auburn. I think Alabama, Georgia, and I think Alabama wins it and goes to the playoff. Yeah, I would say uh, if, if I'm just choosing two teams, I would go with uh, Georgia. I just think that they're just too deep for that side of the of, of their conference for the East. They're entirely too deep over there. And then just looking at schedules, I mean. I would say Alabama's is in front as the front runner, and then I'd have Auburn right behind them. Um, looking at LSU's schedule, they got a real, lot of really difficult, tough games. Uh, looking at their schedule there, so um, they—I mean—they play Miami, they play Georgia, they play Alabama, they play Auburn. So they—they they have a really tough road to to get to where they need to be on that side of things as well. So I'm I'm definitely on the Alabama portion there, Alabama Georgia. Um, and I, I would say, you know what, that, that's going to be a great game. Um, and unfortunately I feel like one of them is going to play the other one out. <laughs> um, maybe not, maybe they will be one and two in, in the country and maybe the loser still makes it in as the four seed. It's possible. Um, just with how good both of those programs are. Um, obviously just depends on how they do throughout the year. Do they blow teams out? We, X, Y, and Z. It's just, it all depends, but um, I, I actually feel like Georgia could actually win that game. And I think Georgia, I will say, I'll say that. I'm going to say oh, Georgia could. Georgia is my SEC champion this year. So Alabama, Georgia play each other in the championship game with Georgia coming out on top. Sudo? Um, I, I have to stick with, uh, with whole Roll Tide. Take <laughs> <laughs> that off now. Um, yeah, Alabama wins the West, Georgia wins the East, and I think that Alabama wins in the uh, Mercedes-Benz Dome in uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, which I recently went to, and it's gorgeous. So I highly recommend everyone make a trip to Atlanta because it's beautiful. All right, yeah, we can do a show down there when Tennessee wins the SEC Championship. <laughs> Bold Why is everyone laughing? I, I don't understand. <laughs> is Peyton Manning back? <laughs> no, but we got Killer Kristen. <laughs> I could say this. I'd like to see Tennessee football be again. It's been a long time. I, I, it's going to change. I, I truly, and I, I know that as a fan uh, and that bias that I bring into it, but bringing Philip Fulmer back in uh, as the AD he, he knows what it takes to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, football is king on that campus. Um, yes, women's basketball has its you know place. and Your men's basketball but, team has been better than your football team recently, too. So. Yes, it has, absolutely. Um, but uh, he, he knows what it takes. 
he knows what it takes. He knows the right um, the right formula to be able to find that success since he's the last one to do it at that school. So I, I think he is going to be the difference um, from the start. And I think Jeremy Pruitt is a really good building block. Um, again, it, I mean, the SEC, it's weird because you start building defenses first. And then you get into your offenses to find that leader to take you to the next level. Uh, and, of course, coming from Alabama, coming from a huge defensive background with one of the best defenses in the country, uh, his recruiting, as I'm seeing names come in of people committing, it's Pruitt, it's Pruitt, it's Pruitt. I believe in the coaches. I believe in the coaches. I trust what Pruitt's building there at the program. Um, I think that... Um, I think that he's going to bring a lot of success into the program to help bring it out of the, the slump that we've been in. Butch Jones, yes, he was there while we were successful, but I almost attribute it more to the players. Because obviously we saw in his last little bit of coaching um, that he was making poor decisions mm -hmm. or he was allowing his coordinators to make poor decisions when he should have stepped in to overrule. Um, I think that Jeremy Pruitt will not let that happen. Uh, it's more of a leadership stance as opposed to um, the passive motivator uh, on the sidelines. Because um, I'm inclined to believe that Josh Dobbs, that you know Derek Barnett, that guys that were on that team before led a little bit more than Butch Jones needed to. Uh, and that's where we found our success. The ability was great with each of the players, uh, but the players shouldn't have been the ones to take that initial leadership step. Um, I, I feel like we'll not make that mistake. I'll never understand Alvin Kamara. That that whole situation, just Butch Jones butched it. Like, you look at that. He's a freak. Alvin Kamara is a freak, and we all knew that. And, yeah, it's just... Which which situation? Just not playing Alvin Kamara like I as much I don't know I like I, I just didn't see the name. Obviously I like I knew I had followed him I knew mm -hmm. who he was. Um, I just never saw him out there. I, was he even like really relevant for Butch Jones? He was he was a great secondary back. I mean it was tough because he was playing behind Jalen Hurd, and Jalen Hurd had just come off. You know, playing out of his mind the mm -hmm. year before. Um, so Kamara, you know, makes his transfer and, you know, coming in from Alabama, obviously he's got ability. Mm -hmm. uh, we wouldn't have, you know, ignored him if that were, uh, you know, weren't the case. Um, but I think his skill receiving downplayed what he can do as a runner. And even with the Saints now, we see what he can do on both sides. But while he was in college, I talked to Jared every single time that he touched the ball. He does not go down. Mm. His elusiveness is just off the charts. Um, I, I think his um, he led the league in the NFL for uh, yards after contact mm. by Probably. a mile. <laughs> Um, but I mean, that's, that's the kind of people we have to, we have to find the, those hidden gems that yeah. may be a little bit rougher. Uh, but you know, we've, we've gotten a taste of seeing those, those people come in. Mm -hmm. Dobbs took a lot of polishing. I was he was say, not great coming in, raw. but he stepped into it. He kept working. I like Josh Dobbs. Mm -hmm. I liked him a lot. Yeah. Guys like Derek Barnett. I mean, he just ridiculous 
athlete. And I know that there was a whole Miles Garrett, Derek Barnett, they're both kings in the SEC. Well, Miles Garrett is, you know, more of a runner. He's faster. You know, he can slip into that linebacker position. He's better. I, I look at stats, and Derek Barnett was way more consistent throughout his years. Injury was not a problem. He was durable. I, I look at those things. Derek, or, you know, Derek Barnett, I never saw him quit on a play and not make a tackle on the opposite side of the field. Miles Garrett saw it all the time. So I, I see those kind of players with those intangible pieces uh, in the way that they're going to play, that they're going to choose in their minds to play, as the people that we need to bring in. Um, the ability is, is going to vary. You're going to have guys like Kamara who are just, I don't know how they do it, but they do it, um, run after them. But I want guys that, you know, they have that mindset and they want to buy into the success. They want to buy into crawling back out of a hole that we've been in for a little while to get back on top. So actual prediction for us, for the SEC, to win the SEC. Oh, my actual prediction, I, I think Auburn has it. I think Auburn I has. think Auburn wins it. I have so faith Auburn, in what they have. Auburn-Georgia championship? Auburn-Georgia and Auburn wins. Auburn wins. So I got Alabama-Georgia. You got Alabama-Georgia as well. Alabama-Georgia. But with Georgia Auburn, winning. Georgia. Georgia winning. Georgia winning. Alabama winning. Two and two. All right. We'll uh, see how it goes. Next week we'll be bringing in Big Ten. Big Ten! Glad I'm leaving. College football is back. College football is back. Uh, real quickly, uh, just touch, won't go into this very long, just a couple minutes here. Peyton can be very thankful that we talked 66 minutes about SEC football, and we're only going to talk about three minutes about MLB baseball. Um, obviously, we're starting to get closer now here, guys, where it's coming into getting closer to going into the end here. We're going to be drawing close to really watching these, uh, these league races. Um, give me hands down for each league who wins their division, and where the tight things are at. For me, hands down, I think Boston wins. I think Boston wins the uh, AL East. I think that's a hands down. Yeah, I mean, at this point, they're 10 games ahead. It's just that's way too much ground that the Yankees would have to make up. Um, Yankees just have to be playing for a wild card spot at this point. Which I think they have. Yeah. I, I, I think well, Yankees easily have a wild card spot. AL is pretty easy to call, at least the AL East and Central. I think it's AL East is going to go to the Yankees. AL Central is, I mean, the Indians are the only team even remotely in competitive. Yeah, they're 12 and a half games ahead of Minnesota. So, yeah, I mean, it's safe to say, safe to say it's Cleveland's going to win that. And then you're going to have your other one of the teams that's going to be the wild card is going to be New York. And then now we get out to the AL West, though where it's a lot of craziness going on out there. I mean, you can it, – it, so many different ways. I could see any team at this point in time still in the AL West could be in it to win it. Well, the Go top three – Jared. Go ahead and say the it. Top, the top three are uh, the Astros still still leading. Um, Oakland Athletics are right behind them with a game and a half behind. And then Seattle Mariners are four games behind. Um, other than that, though, I mean, the LA Angels are 12 and a half games behind. I don't really see I didn't realize they were that far back. Yeah, okay. I, don't, I, don't see them, I don't see them making a push. Um, Man. But, I mean, those other three, those top three there, that's, that's going to be a shuffle um, for sure. Uh, now, interesting, because Seattle gets Robinson Cano back after his 80-game suspension. And then the Astros, of course, uh, they've just had a huge, huge bite from the injury bug. Um, had... Altuve go out, had Correa go out, had Springer go out, all within the, the same mm-hmm. month and a half. Um, so that that just doesn't 
you just don't hear that very often with the three three headed monster like your the heart of your lineup goes out um so i mean i think when those guys come back healthy that the astros will get back on stride now it does take a little bit of time for that to happen um astros do have a, a tough schedule coming up here they play seattle and oakland uh, away and um I don't know. It's just it's gonna be tough, man. It's 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 up for grabs at this point. Um, and you know, Houston. At one point, a lot of people thought you know Houston's going right back to the the World Series. They look great, and now they're struggling to possibly even make the playoffs at this time. They look great right now, and the game they're playing currently. Right, well, we have an Astros fan and we have a Rockies fan right here. The Rockies fan probably doesn't want to know what the score is, but it's like eight one, ten one, yeah, twelve one, twelve one, top of the ninth. Which just adds to the Rockies' negative thirteen uh, run differential, which just. I don't understand how they're a game back in their division when they have a negative point differential <laughs> for runs. It makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. The pitching. <laughs> Pitching's <laughs> terrible in, in Colorado. I mean, and that goes to uh, the Rockies haven't had a good pitcher in, <laughs> since uh, Ubaldo Jimenez, who started out great and – but when was that? Uh, 2010? I don't even remember. It was, anyways. Um, I mean, I, I see. I still see the Houston Astros coming out of the West because, I, in my opinion, it just. I think it just comes down to pitching for me. Um, I'm looking at the Oakland Athletics, wrote well pitching roster, and I'm not seeing just a sound rotation. Um, really, in, in my mind, I mean, they have some some decent guys in the pen, obviously, but you gotta you gotta be competitive with five, at least four starters to get right. to the pen. I just don't see that with Oakland. I don't really see that with Seattle either. We we see James Paxton; he's doing well. But after that, it's... And uh, King Felix uh, is no longer... They just did something with him as well, I saw. I, I can't remember if they... Uh, he's been irrelevant. Yeah, I can't he's remember if they, if they put him down or... Probably. If, yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. I was, I was kind of shocked. Yeah, but. and then, I, I mean, you have... Obviously, you have the Strohs who have three, four, four sound starters who can stretch seven, seven innings easy... But then you have a pen that's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Colin Hughes, recently, from what I've seen, he's been made to look a little more human this year. But still, he's having a phenomenal year. You have, you just have so much depth for Houston. I, I don't see how they don't scrap together and come out of that conference or the the West. Yeah, I don't the division. I should say I don't I don't see how that's possible for them not to. But who knows? I mean, who? Maybe maybe the Billy Bean magic is still there in Oakland, and, and they'll win 20 in a row <laughs> to win out the entire season. Who knows? <laughs> I, I, I think it's for, even for Oakland, though, maybe winning the division, I think Houston makes the playoffs regardless. And I think that the AL comes down to the championship series being Boston and Houston. Houston. I think there's a lot of really good baseball teams in the, in the AL right now, but I think the best two are definitely that. The NL is where it's going to get a little bit more tricky as far as those things are concerned. I mean, Dodgers, I thought they were going to be hands down with it, and they've 
come way back. I mean, the West, you don't know who's going to win that between Arizona, Colorado, Los yeah, Angeles, baby. and San Fran. I mean, that's, that's a, you're, you're only five games separating the top team from the fourth team. I mean, Padres yep. obviously are always out of it. So um, <laughs> <laughs> top four teams there. Ever since Tony Gwynn. Um, <laughs> it's so. I'll tell you what, as a Rockies fan, not really being able to say this very much, it's really fun to be relevant. Oh, yeah. In August, I'm sure. I, I don't get to say that a whole lot, but <laughs> it's fun. Uh, I mean, Rockies are. Yeah, I, mean, I could get into that forever. I'll, I'll never understand the GM positions of not get, going after some sort of pitching. Uh, I've always said. I mean, you can you can quote me on this one. This will be my claim to fame, maybe. I'll, I'll never understand why they didn't go after Adam Wainwright because he had good numbers at Coors and. Yeah, he's, I don't know. Anyways, but I say I, I hate the Dodgers. I hate the Dodgers. I say they have the depth, though, and, and again, the pitching to come out of the West. Um, I don't see who the, who the Diamondbacks have. Granky, Shelby Miller's trash. He, uh, who, who else do they have for the Diamondbacks have for starting pitching? I can't I, give you the names. Yeah. Not uh, my mind. I only know the Rockies guys because I follow them every right. day, but they're too young, too inexperienced to really, 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 in my opinion, at least if they prove me wrong, I will be so happy, but they're too young and too inexperienced to really have it down the stretch. Um, Los Angeles should win that division. They should. should. I don't know if I mean, they will, but they should. I love Clayton Kershaw. I hate the Dodgers. I love Clayton Kershaw, yeah. but he's he's mortal. <laughs> it's the one thing that's missing from his repertoire is having the World Series championship. I yeah, mean, it's, he his year. It, it hasn't quite been his year, and for the first time, he's really, really struggling with injury bug, and that's really sad because I love that dude. Um, but yeah, the West is it's the Wild West. Yeah. It's the Wild West. I mean, shoot, we could say that about the Central, too, though. Yeah. We, it's pretty close there. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're only talking, well, for the top three teams, you're only talking four and a half games. And even Pittsburgh, I doubt they're going to make anything up. But they're nine games out. That's not right. the end. Um, I'll be happy as long as the stinking Cardinals don't make the staggon playoffs. Gosh, I cannot stand that franchise. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Get over it. They're not in your division anymore. You I know. I still hate them. Get over it. They kept us out of the World Series a couple times. When we had some really good teams, and that just, oh, I cannot stand that. I'll tell you what, Matt Carpenter is on another planet. He's seeing the ball as if it was, uh, oh my gosh, a megalodon-sized beach ball. Yeah. Dude's just mashing, and I, I don't really know. I know they traded Tommy Fom away. Like, I don't know how the Cardinals are doing it. But I think it's Matt Carpenter. I legitimately think it's Matt Carpenter willing his way back into relevancy. And, well, I mean, he had an awful start to the year, but he's hitting – he hit his 34th home run. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's literally willing it. And I thought the Milwaukee Brewers made some phenomenal moves. Uh, they have an incredible lineup. Incredible. Um they have some decent pitching, kind of, I don't know, kind of. I don't think they ha- they have the pitching, though. I'd have to say that St. Louis is raw when it comes to pitching, but they have the stuff. 
Uh, I've seen some. I think they have stuff to potentially maybe win the division. I don't, yeah. I don't think they're going to do anything in the playoffs. No, but I think they, if if not win the division, I think they do get in the wild card just because they're playing mm-hmm. some good baseball right now. And Chicago Cubs, I think, I think the Chicago Cubs had that division, but they're almost letting mm-hmm. everyone else compete now. They're they're almost let it's. I think uh, I think the Cubs are probably the best team in the NL at this point, personally. But um, just based off of performance, I mean, they've they look like they've been the most consistent. But like Sudo was just mentioning, they've they've kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, but if I had to choose a team to come out of the NL and go to the World Series at at this point in time, I would I would go with Chicago um, to to actually represent the NL and. Uh, Honestly, though, I think I think the AL. It's really whoever comes out of the AL. I probably see them winning it all. But good points. I mean, when you have good pitching, it makes it really tough on other teams in the playoffs. So for for LA for the Dodgers, I mean, like Sudo was mentioning, they they have the best pitching. Most likely, I feel like they have pretty close to the best pitching. I just want to apologize. We're recording at my house tonight. And my beagle, Jace, is normally very well behaved. For whatever reason tonight, three times during the show, we have gotten up and let him in and out. And it's all because he is barking at what we think is a possum out there. And he, Oh, Tom and, Brady? He's barking at he's Tom barking Brady. At Tom Brady. <laughs> so for the distraction, I do apologize. Next week we will find a way to make this not happen. Thank you for uh, Letting him in here, pseudo. I wish wow. to Jared's sh- been doing it. Welcome to the show, Jace. I wish Tom Brady would play dead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, so growing up, um, just to just to at least get it in there. Growing up, um, my dad was a Braves fan because oh, yeah. the I Rockies. Loved the, Braves when I was a kid. the Rockies weren't a team in Colorado until 90, 91 or ninety two. So, growing up, it was always Turner Turner Cable, and that was the Braves, and so. Growing up, almost every time the Braves came into Colorado, we would go watch the Braves mm-hmm. play Colorado. So I, I grew up loving the Braves as well. Those 90s and Braves were fun to watch. Chipper they Jones, were so much fun Josh to watch. Waltz, I mean, oh my gosh. And, and it's like now obviously living in Virginia, I have a lot of friends who are Braves fans as well. And so getting to almost experience their joy mm-hmm. of the Braves being relevant again, it's it's fun. And they're young and, well, a lot of them are young. Freddie Freeman is one of the best players in the MLB. Yes. And he is I'm, – I'm excited for him almost because he's been just mashing for years on mediocre teams. Um it's exciting to see their their young pitching just electric. Uh, it's exciting to see Ozzy Albas, Ronald Acuna come in and out every night and just just mash balls. Absolutely. Atlanta's fun. I they're my dark horse. Well, I, I don't know if you can say dark horse since they're leading their division, but honestly, just with the heart, I feel like they have. I feel like they could really shake some things up. And I think that they they have the young pitching, but I would say that they have the depth. Uh, they have some really good arms in the back of the pen too. And I think their lineup, their pitching is good enough to get them to the pen. And I think their lineup's good enough to help the young pitching 
get some runs. Mm-hmm. And so, honestly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. I'm going to say that Braves come out of the NL. Uh, and maybe that's just like a wishful thinking. I would love nothing more. Yeah. I, I, uh, realistically, I guess I, I should say that my dream would obviously be the Rockies put together something because that would be amazing. And I'd love to see – I love obviously, I love seeing Rockies postseason baseball because it doesn't happen often. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that I want the Braves. If, if I could have my way – I'd want the Braves to come out of the West. I I think the West for the NL is my gut tells me even though they're in third place right now, you mean the West East? currently. Sorry, no, no, I, the AL in general. And, and gotcha. I'm sorry, I missed. Gotcha. Uh, coming out of the NL, I think in general is going to be, I even though they're third place in the West, I think it's going to be LA. Yeah, I think it's going to be the Dodgers. I think they're going to scrunch together and get it out. Um, it could be Philly. I mean, they. were Struggle a little bit. I mean, they beat Boston today. They look a little bit better today. Um, it's hard saying for sure, but I think that they're probably the ones that are Chicago. Um, I think more, more, most likely what I think is going to happen is that you're going to see a Boston Red Sox um, Los Angeles World Series, which in a way would be great for baseball. That's two huge markets that be being on TV. You have huge numbers for that series. But personally, I'd love to see Astros and Braves. Mm. I'd be torn between who I cheer for. I wouldn't be. Nine, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Jared would choose for the, uh, cheer for the Braves, <laughs> I imagine. I'm sure. I'd, I'd probably still go for the Astros. I mean, Verlander's he's my boy. I mean, I still got to... Hey man, the little engine that could you can't you can't That's go against right. Altuve, man. Exactly, you can't. Altuve so. is, is awesome. That's the I have two baseball jerseys. One of them is Nolan Arenado, which I am proudly wearing tonight, and the other is Jose Altuve because my guy is five six and just strokes. He's I think that I, dude. I, I think he's you could put him as a top three hitter of all time, in my opinion, as far as pound for pound. Pound for pound. Pound for pound. I guess he had to add that caveat. Absolutely. Are you talking about boxing now? (laughs) (laughs) We're talking to a Tigers fan, so obviously he's going to say Miguel Cabrera. I'm not. uh, He's up there. He's up there. Cabby is. We'll see how he pans out the rest of his career here. Look look at uh, just his position as well as just how little the dude is. And his, his batting average is what is most impressive. His batting average is incredible. He's he's constantly hitting over three fifteen, um, year in and year out. And he's gonna get to he he's gonna get to three thousand hits. Right. He will. It's just it's gonna happen. I'm all about I'm all about what Bryce Harper said. Make baseball fun again. That's right. And so I would love nothing more than to see a Braves Astros because it's be it's fun. fun. Now is it good for baseball? I don't know. They're they're young still. So both teams are pretty young and uh, new. Uh, well, not new, but kind of semi-recently relevant again. Um, I don't know. I, I'm i tired of the Cubs. I'm so tired of the Cubs. I'm tired of the Cardinals. I'm tired of the Phillies. I'm tired of the Dodgers. There are five of my least favorite baseball teams are in the hunt right now. New York, Boston, I'm LA, tired of the Yankees. Chicago, and St. Sorry, Louis. Thomas. I'm tired of them. <laughs> well, hey, I, I hear what you're saying, though. I'm just tired of baseball. You're just tired mm-hmm. of baseball. Yeah. We need to go a little bit longer on that, which we're noticing a, a trend here. We were trying to keep our episodes at an hour to begin with, and last week we went an hour 15. 
by this time we'll be at an hour and a half. So hopefully you all listen to the end to hear our baseball conversation, <laughs> as I thought it was quite enjoyable mm. uh, tonight. But um, so yeah, good show, guys. Next week uh, we'll be back again. Uh, before these two get to go on their lovely vacation to where are you guys going again next We're week? We're going to Florida. Disney. Florida. Yeah. Going to Florida. Hey. All right, we'll have a fun time down there. So we'll be back next week to talk Big Ten football and. Uh, down in Florida where uh, Jalen Ramsey is calling out all these different quarterbacks throughout the league saying that they're trash and whatnot. I love Jalen Ramsey. I'm excited to see what he does this Can't year. Can't stand that guy. Uh, what? Oh, my god! All gosh. he does is talk. Just play. Just play what the game. What do you mean all he does is talk? He's like one of the, if not the best, quarterback in the game right uh, now. He's, he's excellent, but, I mean, my goodness. Calling out, calling out all these quarterbacks. He had a list. He had a list of, it's like, fun. 20 quarterbacks. That's fun. Where he's That's like, fun. Joe Flacco, he's trash. Well, he is trash. Uh, Andrew Luck, he's not that good. Uh, well, Andrew Luck hasn't thrown a football in a year and a half now. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, he said that he took for both of them. Whoa, goes, whoa, he does. Whoa, they whoa. don't suck. He said they don't suck. That's what he said to both of them. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is not as good as what people think. I mean, look it up. It's crazy what he's They're saying. They're probably all truths. <laughs> he, he sees what other guys have been able to do. Richard Sherman... Josh Norman, like you, you see guys that have been able to run their mouths and they get, I put this in quotes, but famous because of it. <laughs> yeah, you're good, but you just, just you play. constantly talk, you get suspended for fighting. Just play. It's just stupid. Yeah. Like, I, it's I fun, would, but I, I don't right. want you on my team. <laughs> There's only a handful of guys that he actually gave credit to. He said Deshaun Watson will be an MVP one day. He said Carson Wentz will be an MVP one day. And he said Drew Brees is really good. And that's all that from that list. That's all I can remember as far as him actually handing out. Oh, Kirk Cousins. He said he's a winner. So hey, go green. It, it's funny to me how You he, like that? <laughs> he's picking out guys. Deshaun Watson and uh, and Carson Wentz, he's picking out guys that he's going to have to play against for a really long time and is probably at some point going to want to be on a team with both of them because he knows that those guys are going to be gunning for Super Bowls. So, yeah, he picked his words wisely because he wants to play with them one day. <laughs> he's a little punk. That's what he is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, so we'll wrap this up this week again. Tune in next week for uh, Big Ten Week and see what comes up. Um, this is Kyle reminding you, when somebody reaches out their hand to shake it, don't snub it. Don't be a TB12. <laughs> yep. All right, thanks, guys. Again, thanks to Michael Sudo for uh, filling in for Thomas this week. We'll be happy to have you back on the show again. Oh, thank you for having me. Enjoy thank you for – thank you. Special shout-out to Peyton for dealing with my bandwagon Alabama fanness, but uh, appreciate him extending the olive, of, uh, olive branch of – before yeah. we end here real quick, I realized, though, the one question I should have asked him before he came on our show is, do you like Tom Brady? <laughs> that is a very loaded question. Maybe you'll all have to go he's more in depth. He's not answering you. He's not answering Depending on the answers, you may or may not be back on Turn it off. I hate Tom Turn Brady's it off. <laughs> I don't hate Tom Brady. Oh, oh turn off the show. We're done. We're, We're done. done. But I'm a Broncos fan, so I'm tired of watching him tear up the Broncos. But I respect the... Out of him, I'll tell you that he's incredible. Peyton's better. Yes. Well, yeah, obviously, I'm a Both Broncos fan. So, Both of us. So Peyton's better, <laughs> but Tom Brady, Tom Brady has etched his name in the in the history books. That is a discussion for another time. We will definitely on that topic. I 100 percent agree. Peyton Manning's better. And end it. We got to end it now. End it now. Guys.